This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. Welcome to BBC Music Magazine's monthly discussion of our recording of the month. Here to chat with me about the June issue's choice is the reviews editor, Rebecca Franks. And this month, it's a recording of Tchaikovsky's Manfred Symphony that has taken our top spot. In a recording by the CBSO under its soon-to-depart conductor, Andris Nelsons. And this scintillating recording of this fantastic symphony is on Orfeo. Um, but Rebecca, it's a kind of a symphony that we don't really count amongst the six symphonies of Tchaikovsky. It somehow gets lost, doesn't it? It does. I think perhaps because it's not numbered, if that makes a difference, you don't then think of it as part of the sort of his symphonic works, although it is a big symf- big symphony in, in four four movements. Yeah. Um, it's but the longest, actually, isn't it? It is, yeah. And obviously it has this programmatic side to it, so it's uh, setting the, the story of Manfred. Um, I think perhaps as well it's very difficult to play. As, uh, I think it's one of his most fiendish workouts for the orchestra so perhaps I need a very large orchestra as well so perhaps that's why it's not programmed quite so often as it really deserves to be because it's a brilliant piece yes and and, and actually what w- what is quite extraordinary is the playing from the CBSO um, it's recorded brilliantly but the playing is just so committed it's almost as if um, Andrew Nelson is sweeping them along in a, in a great sort of man Byronian um, adventure uh, 
Yes, I mean, they've, they've sort of got a, a good relationship with Tchaikovsky, as it were. Um, Andres Nelsons and the CBSO have recorded the fourth, fifth and sixth symphonies already. And this was a live recording. And as you say, it really kind of, they're utterly committed, kind of, um, it completely seemed to embody the drama of this music. Mm. I mean, it starts in a very sort of, sort of hushed, very sort of lugubrious kind of fashion and I think it would be good to hear uh, the sort of Manfred theme that emerges in the bass clarinets and the bassoons this woodwind is very sort of burnished beautifully played and beautifully recorded What I love about that is the way that the, the orchestra digs really deep, the strings really dig deep into the sound. I mean, it's just so sort of dramatic and very uh, heart-rending, I think. Yes, I think it's, um, I mean, it's a very intense first movement, a long first movement, and there's real kind of this really searing strings, this very doom-laden kind of sound. Again, there's this idea of fate kind of always underlying, I think, in Tchaikovsky's music. And actually, they, I mean, they just really bring bring that off all the details and all the kind of passion of it. Mm. I mean, I mean, let's let's talk about the story of Manfred. I mean, here we have a chap who is, uh, you know, sitting up in his Gothic library, uh, trying to uh, invoke the spirits to basically help him forget some sort of dark episode in his past, uh, and to help and, and you know, and, and, and there's this sort of great adventure that uh, that Manfred goes on, eventually leading to his death. I mean, this is this is something I think that Tchaikovsky really felt um, he could identify with. Tchaikovsky had um, experienced a disastrous relationship with a, with a woman. Um, you know, Tchaikovsky was homosexual um, and, and, and had, I'm sure, all sorts of unrequited relationships with men along the way and including a relationship with a violinist, I think, who died around the same time as he was composing Manfred's Symphony. I mean, Tchaikovsky was in torment, really. I think... You can definitely see some sort of autobiographical or the, the sympathy for the for the character of Manfred, who, as you say, we meet him at the beginning and he's wandering, tormented and despairing after this incestuous relationship with his sister has sort of become public knowledge. So this sort of very dark situation that that's going on. Um, and that was a situation that Byron himself related to and sort of put into this into this work. And then then Tchaikovsky sees it, presumably saw elements of his own situation. Mm. Um, so in a way, it's you can read it in so many on so many different levels actually of what's personal, what's fiction, what's you know what level you want to take it on. Mm, and there's a remarkable passage also in the first movement where um, one of the spirits takes on the form of Astarte, which was Manfred's one of you know the previous lovers. And we don't quite know what the situation is there in the in the backstory, but but he goes to grasp her and she sort of disappears and there's this sort of sense that, um, again, there's this unrequited passion that, that Tchaikovsky identifies with.
absolutely stunning music. And and in fact, the first movement is almost like an encapsulation of the whole story in itself, isn't it, really? It is. I mean, you get to the end of the, the first movement and you sort of feel like you could just stop there actually quite happily. <laughs> it sort of is utterly compact, compact that first movement. And there's this really overwhelming, overpowering ending, actually, which I think we're going to hear now, which you can see why when you hear that, you could think this is the end. really is Tchaikovsky at his most dramatic and and most heartbreaking in many ways. But also, there's the reverse of the coin. You get the most sumptuous slow movement. Um, This is Tchaikovsky really in contemplative mode, I think. Yes, it's kind of pastoral andante, um, which is serene, and it's meant to be a picture of the simple, free and peaceful life of the mountain folk. So I guess this sort of pastoral idyll that Manfred is looking to. beautiful playing on the oboe and I love the phrasing and I love the direction and I love the tempo actually I find the tempo throughout the whole of the symphony just very uh, uh, very satisfying yes I think everything is very well paced and this is a work that Anders Nelson's very much has the measure of um, in an interview for the magazine he was talking about what the art of performing the key to performing Tchaikovsky's music is and actually it was to avoid this kind of sugar and honey approach and to avoid exaggerating um, the sort of the dynamics and the drama of it and actually treat it in a very honest simple way which Mm. is actually I think really does then allow paradoxically the drama to 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 sing through it's interesting you should say that because you get a real sense I think from that oboe solo of uh, there being a a big Russian folk influence there and of 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 that kind of folk influence having to be treated in a very plain way because the beauty of the lines the beauty of Tchaikovsky's melodies which I think are just extraordinary, um, I think need to be treated in a very straight way. Yes, and because this, I think it could be quite easy for this work to become quite sort of overblown and, you know, it's full of these kind of um, quadruple forte markings, you know, it goes up to. So it could be very easy to kind of overdo it. And he does the opposite here. And that's when the music then really comes through well. I think the ending is quite uh, interesting in as much as 
there's a very unexpected inclusion of the pipe organ and it's very loud and it's very, um, it seems almost uh, at odds with the Manfred story itself. You know, at the end, Manfred, Manfred dies against the wishes of a priest and Manfred basically says, you know, it's, 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 it's not so difficult to die and basically, you know, in the text he goes, he expires. And it sort of ends in a very kind of solemn, very understated way. But this is far from understated. I mean, this ending is very... It's it's like the ending almost of the fifth symphony in its triumphant uh, style over over the over the sort of very dark opening. You know, this again is is very triumphant in its in its uh, in its yeah, tone. Well, I, Tchaikovsky has. I mean, there's this idea of fate which sort of runs through so much of Tchaikovsky's music. Thinking of the Pathetique Symphony, to, which would follow. Um, so we have this idea of fate running throughout, and then in this final movement. We have redemption, really, because Manfred is actually, he's pardoned by the spirit of Astarte, and he, he does then die, but it's, it is as if he's been redeemed. So you get this very strange, in a way, kind of um, uh, moment when the, when the organ comes in and this triumphalism, which sort of can take you by surprise. Yes, so I, mean, I think there's a difference between sort of redemption and triumphalism, and I wonder if Tchaikovsky sort of slightly overdoes it. I think there's a sense of, this is the ending, you know, I'm going to put an organ in, and the orchestra is going to be, you know, playing at full pelt. Um, I wonder if it is slightly... If it strikes a bit hollow. Mm, just a little bit. Mm. But um, and, and also, the, the interesting thing, if you look at the score, the organ part, I mean, there's debate over whether it should be performed on a harmonium or, or, or an organ. In fact, you know, if you do put it on full organ, I mean, the Kleiss organ in Symphony Hall is a is a mammoth beast, and it does rather overwhelm proceedings. I wonder. I, I wonder whether it's uh, whether, whether it is as Tchaikovsky intended in any case. I think that's an interesting question. I and I don't I don't know the answer to it, but um, you know I think there has been discussion that, that the harmonium perhaps cause he, he he wrote harmonium in the score, um, but whether that was because that's what's what that is what was available. Um, I mean, there's this whole interesting question about intentions. There was a recording recently which went back to a different source for the um, first piano concerto and those really big bombastic chords that you get there. Instead, they became these quite delicate spread chords which made it a much more Mozartian kind of opening. Completely changed the character of the music. Um, I don't know if that would be the case here or not, but, you know, it's an interesting question. A remarkable ending to the Manfred Symphony, which is a remarkable symphony in itself and remarkably played. I think this is a really terrific recording and a really great chance to get to know a symphony that I was delighted to have the chance to reacquaint myself with, I have to say. I think they do a really fantastic job. And, you know, every every detail is there, the drama is there. They make this 
tricky in a way, final movement actually seemed to hit the right note emotionally so that it doesn't sort of stick out from the rest of it. And as you say, I think this is a great place um, to go to, to turn to if you would like to hear this music. So this is a recording on the Orfeo label. Uh, it's Tchaikovsky's Manfred Symphony performed by the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra under Andrus Nelsons. And the programme also includes the Slavic March, um, Opus 31. Um, I'm told by Orfeo this will appear on iTunes a bit later on in the year. So you can't download it quite yet, but you can buy the uh, CD, which is out now. So that brings us to the end of this podcast discussing our recording of the month. Join us next month when we'll be discussing the July issues choice. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.